We're going to be returning to our series, Confusing Things That Christians Say. Last week, we had this beautiful message about being born again and what that is and how we treasure grace in that from uh, Pastor Tim. Today, we're going to go on to another saying. We saw one of the bubbles up there. What do we mean by, ah, it's not a religion that I practice, it's a relationship. Is that confusing? Is that accurate? What are we to make of that, and, and should we use that? And when we hear it, what should we do with that? Before we jump into that, why don't we open up with a prayer and ask God to inspire us uh, and through his word in John chapter 15. Let's pray. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. So I decided to take a look when I was assigned this uh, thought, not a religion, a relationship, and see how popular it is. I know I've heard that here and there, and now you do a Google search, and a lot of thoughts come up about that phrase, that term. One in particular was from uh, Reddit, a website, an app. It's kind of a social news aggregation, a place where people can post things about everyday life or everyday things in the news and comment. So I found this article I thought it was kind of interesting, and maybe it picks up on how this phrase is kind of confusing and not really helpful and maybe not even well received. Uh, the title is, It's Not a Religion. It's a relationship is such BS. Now, when I grew up, that was bullstuffing was the BS. So we'll work with that definition there. And this is what this person says. Just one event. Gen Z Christians are the weirdest to me because they know their religion looks uncool and think by being not like the other girls, they're going to win brownie points. People ain't stupid. Calling your religion a relationship does nothing. Also, lifestyle implies the religion completely hijacks your life, which makes Christianity sound even more like a cult. Hello? You're trying to lure in young people here. You could cut back on the queer phobia and the anti-premarital sex talk, but then how can you shame people into your religion? And uh, comments began to fire up, and not of them were encouraging. One qualified it and said, you know, that saying isn't unique to Gen Z. Been hearing that nonsense for like 30 plus years. So what do you think? Whether you're new to that saying, or you've heard it said, or maybe even offered it up, is it confusing? Not a religion, a relationship? Should we use it? How so? Or should we put it to rest like other sayings that come and go? Speaking of which, uh, one saying that I came across, which I, I don't think I've ever heard, kind of an old saying, his butter done slid off his biscuit. <laughs> that's weird. I guess that's a way to say he lost his mind, right? His butter done slid off his biscuit. Uh, how about this one? We were off like a herd of turtles. It's kind of maybe a Midwestern goodbye, all right? We, we got going after about an hour of saying goodbye. Or this one, this is going to be a favorite. Not my monkey, not my circus. So I've heard that one recently. Maybe, maybe we should, should keep that one. But what do we do with this, this phrase? Again, not a, not a religion. It's a relationship. I think the best way to go about this, and this will be for your choice today. If you use that, God bless you. And, and if you can gain some insight and understanding altogether, then we'll be better off. And if you choose not to use it because of what we find and, and guided by the scriptures, then good. I, I think we want to be clear about the hope we have in Jesus. That's the bottom line, isn't it? So that whoever might post something in Reddit like that might understand by what you say and how you live, well, maybe I don't have this whole Christianity thing just figured out yet. So let's define 
religion. And no better place than uh, the internet, actually an authoritative source on the internet, Merriam Oxford Dictionary defines religion this way, and we'll sum it up here if you're taking notes. It's action or conduct indicating belief in or obedience to and reverence for a God, and we might in parentheses flesh that out, or something that is treated like a God. And out of that, uh, there's a performance of religious rites or observances and so on and so forth. So my question to you as we define this religion is conduct. So how you live your life, indicating belief in God. So you put your hope in something, you treasure something, and in turn it defines you and leads you. Would we say, just working with that basic neutral definition that you know, that defines Christianity? I believe so, right? We put our hope in Jesus. We, we know who he is, unlike anyone else that's ever walked this earth. And by God's will and his design, Jesus came to be with us in our brokenness. God with us. And God so loved us that knowing our faults, knowing that we were in rebellion against him and that we had no chance, but our only choice is to reject him by such love and humility and humbleness. He earned our perfection for us. All that God demands of you, Jesus, Jesus earned and gifted you. And all the sins that separated us from God, even that rebellious heart that wanted nothing to do with him, Jesus said, put that on me. I'll become that. He became that on the cross. He suffered our death, our hell, so that we could be at peace with God no matter where we've come from. And in three days, Jesus proved it. By rising from the dead, he offers new life, which is your future and hope. Even now, you're experiencing and after 40 days, he, he ascended to the Father's right hand. Humanity ascended to the Father's right hand so that your status could be elevated to royalty, to a divine status. Wow, that love, that defines our conduct, our actions, doesn't it? I mean, not that we're perfect, but we walk in grace. And we confess our sins, and we enjoy that new life, and we trust him. It defines us. I very much would say Christianity is that definition, conduct, right? That's defined by what our hope is in. The Apostle Paul really summed it up well this way, what I just shared with you. He says, Christ's love compels us, all that Christ is, compels us, drives us, defines us. Why? Because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. Praise God. We all suffered that wages of death in Christ. It was a peaceful dying, and in faith we're, we're risen again. And now we live life so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. There's only one life to live, and that's Christ. And that's what we mean by religion. And so I, I don't know if it's honest to say, I'm not a religion. The neutral term, the heart of the definition, yeah, no, I hope in him and he defines me. And I love it. Of course, Christianity isn't the only religion. There's all kinds of religions out there. There's over 4,000 of them, and even non-religions that people will, would say they're not religious at all, and yet they are. Do you remember back in your early days of being instructed in the faith, um, and, and you came across this term idolatry? It's having anything as a God that is not 
Open idolatry might be like, well, Islam, Allah's not a real God, but people follow him, or Hinduism, this non-conscious all-being God, people follow that. But then there's secret idolatry. People follow after money or power or influence. Oh, they don't call it a God, but it defines their conduct. And so we're going to map out our discussion on religion. Yes, Christianity is a religion, but with that understanding that putting your hope in something, God or whatever, and it defines your life, we could easily argue all people are religious, even if they say they're not. Because this is the heart of what religion is. We're defining a lot of terms today. Uh, the etymology, the origin of the term religion in English comes from the Latin uh, religare. It just simply means to bind yourself to something. So religion is about making a vow, binding yourself to that which you want to define your life or that which will. And you can do that willingly or unwillingly. You can be bound to things. And everyone is. So if everybody's religious and Christianity is a religion, then what's the hang-up? Why would we have an aversion to religion? Well, it's because there's a lot of baggage to the word religion today. And it's precisely because of the binding involved, isn't it? What I mean is this. Nobody wants to be bound to something that oppresses them. And it's sad to see that from this article this person has a view of Christianity that it oppresses people. Maybe we've heard another saying, people know what we're against more than they know what we're for. That's a sense of being oppressed. But praise God, Christianity is not an oppressive religion. That, that's what we want to promote. And I think people are trying to when they say, not a religion. It's not oppressive. You've got to give it a chance. It's about a relationship. I like that sentiment. But maybe, again, it would be good for us to articulate that, to clarify. I mean, because she picks up on this. I just know that Christians are about, uh, well, they're about homophobia. And they're about uh, anti-whatever outside of marriage as far as intimacy. Is that what we're known for today? Because that's not what Christianity is about. And that does sound oppressive. So I suppose I would say to an author of such an article, instead of, oh, it's not a religion, I might instead just say, wow, you, you bring up some good points. Can, can I share with you what, what I do practice, though? It, it's, it's a life that is compelled by Jesus' love. Do, do you know Jesus? Do you know what he's done for all of us? Whether you're gay or straight or whatever, whether you're living with somebody outside of marriage or are in marriage, whether you're doing whatever, do you know what Jesus is all about? Can I share with you that? And after sharing the hope we have and the forgiveness, I'm hoping that this person and others would see this isn't oppression at all. Now I know who I am. Now I, I know my purpose. Now I know grace. Now I know how God sees me, a dear child. And if patterning my life after those truths means religion, then call me religious. This is amazing. And it's so freeing from what I once was. I was a religious bound in works. 
didn't have anything to do with grace. And this is what makes Christianity so unique. All praise to God. It's not because we came up with it. But you go on down the line, whether it's Islam or Hinduism or if it's running after money or if it's after sex or fame or influence and power or politics or whatever, have you noticed that all those things are all oppressive by nature? Because the God of Islam or the God of Hinduism or the God that is money can be, the God of influence and power and politics always says, I want more. I need more from you. You want to be happy? You do these things. And then maybe, just maybe, you'll find complete satisfaction. But it always eludes us. I, those that are religious as far as secularism and running after things of this life and money. and what, look, look at the latest celebrities. How many of them are truly happy, although they have it all? That's because money can be an oppressor. Power can be an oppressor. It's never enough. It's exhausting, and it cannot rescue us from death. Only one thing can, and it's Jesus. Jesus, in all our strivings and all our pursuits of trying to be happy and fulfilled and satisfy and work and work and work, Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke of grace upon you. Learn from me. I'm humble and gentle in heart. I will turn no one away. I don't care where you've been. What other religious thought, secular or sacred, says that? I wonder if this contributor for Reddit, if she knew that, if that might change her mind. And so does that phrase help? Not a religion. Now, I think we got to go deeper, don't we? which is why I believe we turn our thoughts to a relationship. So let's define that too. Because right, that's a great way to say it, but is it completely accurate as well? Because there are failings with that too when we say, oh, I'm in relationship with God. Well, let's go back to Merriam Oxford Dictionary and see what the authority says on a relationship. The relation connecting, or I'm going to throw in the binding of participants in a relationship. I, I do believe that's a flaw, and I can't believe it. such an authority. You're not supposed to define a thing by using the same word, are you? I remember my English teacher back way back saying, don't define a definition by the same term. That helps no one. That's what they did. So anyway, such as specific instance or type of kinship, so how people connect or are bound, a state of affairs existing between those having relations or dealings, a romantic or passionate attachment, and so on and so forth. That didn't help me at all. Did it help you? <laughs> all right, let's try again. And I'm just going to sum up what I found there. And I think intuitively we know what a relationship is. But it is the simple connection, binding Two parties, participants, very clinical definition. I don't know if that helps us with God. And I think that's part of the problem. I, I think it's part of the problem because relationship can be such a broad thing. I mean, you have a different relationship with your boss than you do your spouse, or your spouse and your child, or a friend and your spouse. And yet we just throw that out there like we have a relationship. So what kind of relationship? Well, maybe this is where we could define, and this is inspired by John's gospel, John 15. 
Christianity is about a relationship that is unequal with God. That means God has far more say and far more authority to define what he means by relationship. And there's good news with that. But do know this, that when we say we're in relationship with God, it's not the kind of relationships that we often enjoy in this life where uh, maybe even between spouses or friends, there's a mutual agreement. Both are equal in this and both can define relationships and hopefully it goes well. No, praise God, he didn't establish a relationship like that with us where we get to define how things go. And again, understanding our sinful natures, that's good. Because if it were up to me to find my relationship with God, I would be the taskmaster. He would be my servant. And this is how it would be, and I would destroy myself. That's what I mean by Christianity is not an equal, or, or I suppose we might say a personal relationship with God. You could understand that correctly. But the danger in saying, I have an individual relationship with God or a personal relationship is that we start to define it how we want, making up a new Jesus that is not Jesus. And so kind of calling back last week's message, all his people are chosen. You see, he forges the relationship. He determines what, what that relationship looks like, and it's beautiful. But we did not choose him, nor can we choose the terms of relationship. And what do we find is we connect with God. Praise God. It's not about activities, doing this and formalism and whatever the trappings of religion can be. But God calls us his children, and he is our father. Jesus is your dearest brother and your friend who would literally lay down his life for you, only to pick it up again and rescue you in every way. As a community, we're called the bride of Christ. But that doesn't apply personally as if I'm the bride of Christ because, again, that suggests kind of this equal defining of terms. And No, but he is the groom for us, his people, again, laying down his life. You see, there are particular ways that God defines his relationship with us for your blessing and mine. Where am I bringing all of this out from? It is from John. Let's take a look at John 15 again. When Jesus says this, notice the inequality, but it's for our betterment. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. There's an elevation of your status in mine. We were once slaves, unworthy and we were lost, condemned creatures, slaves to sin. And then even if God wanted to bring us over, it would be enough just to be his servants. But in grace, he wants friends. And he makes us such. And he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I was thinking about how the relationship works. It would be like the president calling you up today, saying, hey, would you like to be friends? <laughs> Now, if the president of the United States, whether this administration or the past or whatever, your favorite president, called you up and said, I'd like to be your friend, would you not be floored, amazed, humbled? And would you ever think about like, okay, well, then here's how it's going to have to be. <laughs> we would never say that. And conversely, could I call up the president today and say, hey, by the way, would you be my friend? <laughs> never happened. 
King Jesus has come into this life and he's called you by name and said, would you be my friend? I choose you. That is good news. It's something then that we don't want to abuse either, though. And I think there is a lot of this, maybe in the Western church today, people defining their relationship with God as if there's equality there. There, there isn't. Again, if there were, we'd destroy ourselves. And, and maybe one of the clearest ways I see it happen, picking up again on the Oxford Dictionary, this thought about a romantic or passionate relationship with God. I don't think we should use those terms. I don't think we do, and yet sometimes we get a hint of it. Uh, I, I think it, it's displayed oftentimes maybe in art or in music. Come across both contemporary music and old traditional hymns, suggesting this personal relationship with God that kind of goes beyond what scriptures say. I think we got to be careful of that. Otherwise, again, we start defining things to our detriment. I think about David Crowder. Anybody, any fans of David Crowder, a Christian uh, contemporary author? I am. I love his stuff. There's one song, though, that I think he goes too far, and he admits it. Uh, the song, Oh, How He Loves Us, is great. The original lyric he wrote, heaven meets earth like a wet, sloppy kiss. I don't think so. That sounds kind of weird. And it was changed to heaven meets earth like a, an unforeseen kiss, like a father to a child. But, but, but this whole idea of my heart turns violently inside my chest with ideas and overtones of a romantic connection with God, I think, whoa, I think we're going too far. Or I think about the movie Sister Act. <laughs> that dates me a little bit. Whoopi Goldberg, she kind of hides out as a nun. She's found out, but then she comes to faith, and she decides to uh, revive the church a little bit. And she, she takes a love song from 1963. She makes it a choir piece, a hymn. And I will follow him, but doesn't really change the words. I get it. Nice try, but God is not our lover. And God is not our buddy. Jesus is our good friend and Savior and Lord. You see, there's a transcendent nature to that relationship that is a blessing to us to understand. As he says, come to me, talk to me, I'm your dearest friend. He also says, now follow me and pick up your cross. What I call you to will be difficult because you'll be hated, but I'm Lord over all. It's good to have that balance because you can err on both sides, relationship or religion. So maybe we can sum it up this way. To understand, bring clarity to that confusing phrase, not a religion, but a relationship. I, I think we could say it this way. Christianity is a religion in a savior, one of grace who defines our life by grace. No burden, no pressure. No formalities, no rules that bind us, only freedom. And that brings us into a relationship with the Lord, the one who defines the terms, the one who is in all authority, the one who loves us, laid down his life for us, and blesses us according to his designs, not our own making. That's what we have with Jesus. And because we have that we live. May we always then, in humble faith, appreciate this religion of grace 
and a relationship with the Lord. And may God bless us with words to speak to those who get a little confused about who God is and what we're all about with Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word where you make all things clear. Help us then to digest these things in a religion that you've created. Let it all be about your grace. In a relationship that some of your making, Lord, help us to always humble ourselves and submit because you are the author of life and you've given us life to the full in Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.